Whatever podcast this may be, this is another collaboration with Dave McConey and Vigorous Steve. It's been a while, huh? It's been a minute. Yeah, I was looking back at the, you know, I, I just like number all my podcasts and I think right. I'm around 180 something now. And our last oh, wow. one was like 120 something. And I, I thought, I guess because like, you know, you talk on Instagram and everything and you just right. kind of forget how long it's been since you've spoken live. Although I, uh, I know you're so busy now that you probably don't respond to people as much on uh, Instagram. No, not as, no, but with you, I mean, we've done two collaborations in the past. I always try to respond. But when you send me a message, it was like right before I went on holiday, and then I got flooded with messages. Um, you know, I guess we'll go right into that then. Yeah. <laughs> so I missed a couple messages along the way, but hey, here we are, man. I'm always happy to do a podcast with you. For yeah, sure. yeah, no, it's, it's always good talking. And uh, I think we last well, you were you were in the U.S. right, and you were mm -hmm. in uh, Vegas for the Olympia, so we'll definitely yeah. talk about that as well. Now, have you? How many Olympias have you gone to? This is the first. Oh, this okay. was the first one ever. Yeah, I had a great time. So. You know, I was I wanted to go to the Mr. Olympia, but due to the pandemic, you couldn't really fly, you know, and there were all these restrictions. So I was just biding my time. And now that, you know, travel is, you know, basically unrestricted again, I figured, you know, if I want to go to the Mr. Olympia, then this is the year to do it because the lineup was stellar. And uh, this year was in Vegas or last year was in Vegas. And I always wanted to go to Las Vegas. So yeah. next year we'll be in Orlando, Florida, and I'll definitely join that one as well. So I already looked at tickets and hotels. And so I'm already in the pre-preparation phases of coming to the next Mr. Olympia this year. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't know it was in Orlando. I would actually consider going to that because I, I have a lot of friends in Florida. So Yeah. So so by all means, come over because you'll be, if you, right, your podcast is just every week. So you'll meet a ton yeah. of fans and you'll be surprised how many people actually watch your stuff. Like... I met so many people that watched my YouTube channel. It's I, yeah. it was a little bit intimidating, you know, after yeah. walking 10 meters and then you meet somebody else and then 10 meters you walk and you meet somebody else again. So I was just continuous talking with people at the Mr. Olympia and, and bigger names that you would expect um, really? are, are watching the channel. Yeah. Some IFB pro, some industry insiders, um, you know, people that I used to watch. And so it, it, that was really eye opening for me that, that you realize that who the audience actually is. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously, I mean, you've, it's interesting, your trajectory, I mean, you've kind of, it wasn't like just one thing blew you up, right? Like, at least I've known you yeah. for a, probably a couple of years now, and yeah. it, it's mm -hmm. just kind of gradually gone up. But it, I guess part of it is like the connections you make, right? I mean, same thing with me, mm -hmm. like on a smaller scale, but you know, like I would meet somebody and then I get an introduction to somebody else and eventually right. you realize like, oh, I'm actually part of this community too, which is cool. Right. So that's, that's a weird realization. And I think, have you been to the Mr. Olympia or a bigger event? I've like never this? been, I've never been to the okay. Olympia now. So before the Mr. Olympia, I just, I, you see the numbers on your YouTube channel, like 4,000, 10,000 views and you're like, okay, that's like you know, money in the bank, right? It's it's nice to have, but it, it's not going to change your life. Mm -hmm. So that's how I always saw it. Okay, they're just numbers on paper and, and the views that I don't see the faces behind the views. And then you go to the Mr. Olympia and you meet the faces and the people that actually watch and listen and and are thankful for all the information that you provide. And then you realize like, it's way more people than I expected. Dude, I landed in LA and it started. Yeah, so, right. So, and you'll get the same thing because, well, you got you know a popular podcast that's been around for a while, and um, and and you've had a lot of stellar guests on, so they will know you as well. So you walk around the expo or or you know the Mister Olympia finals or the meet and greet with the Olympians, and you're in demand. I, know, I was I the last one to leave at the meet and greet. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think it's also you know you just get so when it comes to social media numbers and whatnot. 
you you get kind of lost mm. in the fact that oh this like I didn't get a million views so what does it mean you know but even like if you had 10 20,000 views like that number of people like how many people do you think actually went to the olympia I think the expo maybe 10,000 people 10,000 uh, right so like if you get a, yeah. a video that gets 10,000 views that's I'd have you to don't shake everybody's that hand much. But that's yeah. literally the equivalent of every single person there watching your yeah. thing, right? So no, it, you wouldn't be able to talk to everybody for, and it would take a month to talk to everybody yeah. there. Right, I would say right, even right. shaking hands, like if you get 200 views and you try to shake 200 hands, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the most I've ever done was on weddings or funerals, shake that many hands in yeah. one time and you're exhausted yeah. at the end of the day. <laughs> and that's just shaking hands. So yeah, I, I met people all the time there and it was eye opening for me. So that's, I yeah. got a huge boost in, in like wanting to produce more content because now I got to meet the people who were actually watching and right. I, I got a lot of compliments and, and people, you know, say there was life changing information. So I'm, I'm really fired up to get back to the YouTube game and, and start producing more content. So yeah, yeah. Starting, yeah, trying to hire an editor and then get some help on the back end because I spend way too much time. Editing oh, yeah. videos, yeah. Now you yeah. know what it's like, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah so sure. hopefully this year we can go a little bit more professional and then uh, catch up with all those big channels. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So, well, views, speaking, but, of, yeah. speaking of like the YouTube and the fame, obviously you you had some recent stuff that kind of believed yeah. a little bit more, right? With uh, yeah. Liver King, um, yeah. which was not, so not not out. not the not the proudest moment of my life to grow a channel, but. Yeah, you know, in the end, if people want to subscribe, that's their choice, right? So, yeah, I did gain five thousand subscribers over the last month. Wow! Wow! Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. So, Liver King, it's like I, I'm always late to the party with these things because I don't tend to keep up with stuff too much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, like Andrew Tate, for example, I, I kept hearing this guy's name, kept hearing this guy's mm-hmm. name. I'm like, I have no idea who this guy is until now. Like, I'm seeing him everywhere, so I know a yeah. little bit of him. But it seemed like he was popular for a while. Same thing with the liver king. I was just like, well, this is uh, just some guy, some guy. And then it's like every single person is talking about this guy. So I kind of just knew the last like maybe two months before he got, you know, kind of everything kind of got exposed is when mm-hmm. I was seeing him more. Um, and then Derek put out that video and it's almost like a documentary in a way, right? Yeah. It was almost mm-hmm. like this interesting. Uh, they put a lot of effort in there. He, uh, he hired an editor who was uh, very familiar with producing the kind of content. And yeah, that, that took them several weeks or months um, yeah. before that video was released. And when it was finally oh, wow. done, it was like, oh, it's finally done. Let's just put it out there. Right. Yeah. And then, um, and, and yeah, well, it got very popular, probably more popular than we all expected. Yeah. Um, and, and for the and few then, people who hadn't seen it, so what, basically the idea here was he. I forget the exact order. He went back and found old emails where the liver mm-hmm. king had reached out to him asking for advice on gear. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, was that the main thing? Like he just happened to come across that or was there something else? As no. Well? So I, I shared those emails with him a while back okay. uh, because I was getting increasingly frustrated um, and he was getting, you know, upset with the way liver king was kind of portraying the fitness industry. Um, you don't need to do blood work. You don't need to check your organs. You know, the, you, as long as you feel good, you're fine. He recently and, said you don't have to go to the dentist, which was, you know. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to wipe and that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> so, all right, if that's your stick, that's fine. Um, but knowing that, you know, knowing what his blood work looked like exactly. And uh, as of a phone call that Derek had with uh, Liver King that will probably never get posted um, on request. So, you know... <sighs> Knowing how the blood work was and and how 
um, uncooperative he was in the first two weeks, three weeks of us trying to work together. And again, I, I was quite busy at that time as well. So the communication was simply wasn't there. You know, I decided to let him go. And then you see this personality come to the forefront, kind of trying to undo everything that I and Derek and so many educators try to preach in the fitness industry for, for this entire community to stay healthy. I did not sell some sort of weird pipe dream that is completely unrealistic. And if you can't eat the liver and the testicles and then you have to buy these supplements, right? It's a little disingenuous as well. Um, you know, I gave him permission to release those emails and gave him the blood work, um, you know, which did, didn't get released and probably will never get released um, to help with the documentary and then, you know, solidify the case that was being made or the standpoint that was being made. And then he found those old emails that he had um, from, you know, Brian Johnson himself and some of the co-workers, which is even weirder, you know, that yeah. one of the co-workers of Ancestral Supplements starts sending out these kind of emails on either Brian's behalf or, or, or you know, it's a little bit of a, you know, I know as much uh, as the next guy. Mm. And then when that all came out, you know, I asked Derek to retract, redact information because I didn't want to be known, right? I, I knew it was could potentially be career suicide. And as a coach, you shouldn't leak private information. But yeah. on the other hand, so it's it's been a dilemma for over one and a half years, right? Do I sit on this or do I contribute to helping this guy finally come clean? Right. That that was my main incentive. I wanted this guy to finally end the lie because it was it was turning into a life of its own. I was just it was worse than you know wrestling at this point. Yeah, that's that's what okay. it turned into. It's like a WWE. So, so basically, so that's a little different than I realized. So you had first told Derek about the emails he had them, mm. and then later he found his those emails like of his own further down mm. in his inbox. And then after that, now if you originally wanted your information redacted, and that's all that's all within several days of each other. So I mean, you oh, know, really? if, if the time loan is not, yeah, because you know that we were talking true. about this, there were there was some information. I shared yeah. this detail. We started talking about it, and then he started doing some more research. So, you know, if the timeline is a little bit off, I mean, it's it's been several months now sure, that we sure. went to this direction. And then I said, okay, you know, start working on the documentary or however you want to release it. Just leave me out of it. Right. right. The, internet, the internet detectives are super smart, and they say, "Oh, the MRI, time zone difference, uh, questionnaire with particular uh, sentence structure," and then within four days, it was on Reddit. Uh, that oh, guy never really? contacted me though. I still owe him a drink. <laughs> so is that? So I didn't realize. So people kind of knew it was you, and then you put your video out saying, "Like, mm. yes, it was me," kind of a thing. Yeah, and I wanted to wait about a week or two because I wanted to give uh, you know Brian uh, an opportunity to come clean and make this apology video himself. And then I saw the apology video, and I got turned off even more. I was shocked. I have to say, I was shocked because I actually put out there, I was like, "Look." He's going to do like when Athlean X had his whole thing, people talked about him being mm. on DRT or people talked about him using fake weights and all that stuff. He just didn't mm. address it and it just went away. You know, it was a story, yeah. but it went away and he's as successful as ever. That's how it always goes. At one point it right. goes away. I mean, I mean, I was so sure he was going to just ignore it. Everybody would mm. talk about it for a while. And then, you know, you could always just say, hey, they were fake emails. It was this. Like you could just lie like he's blatantly yeah. doing mm. And, you know, 80% of people who follow him probably aren't that informed anyway. And they would have just, uh, like, I was just very surprised that he actually addressed it. But he's still, I'm sure he'll still make tons and tons of money. I'm, I'm sure. I don't think it will hurt his business at all besides, you know, the lawsuits that are now coming out, which is, you know, mm. 
kind of bad karma, unfortunately. But that's that's something you can expect when you've been keeping up appearances and keeping the charade going for as long as the guy did. And eventually would have gone exposed anyway, just like Lance Armstrong, right? He got right. Uh, sold out by his teammates. And then some of the sponsors went back retroactively and said, hey, listen, we were sponsoring you for this many years, uh, millions of dollars under the premise that you were natural, but you weren't. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so, I mean, you're, you're in a very particular or very, you know, difficult situation if you want to keep that lie going. And the longer you keep it going, the worse the repercussions are going to get. So if the guy said from the start he was on TRT due to being insecure and having tanked levels because he trains too hard, if he did that from the start, it would have been an issue, right? Um, But, you know, when you see him going on podcasts and, and, you know, I say that people on TRT or people take steroids or subprimal, I mean, come on, man. I mean, this is the fitness industry. You're talking Do you think about he would it? have gotten? Because I, I have heard people say things similarly, like, "Hey, if he was just honest, you know, you people would have respected you more, and you would have made just as much." I think people mm-hmm. definitely would have respected him more. I don't think he would have made as much because I think, again, the Gen Pop, like, I think people probably underestimate mm-hmm. or they overestimate how much influence and how much like the actual fitness industry matters to general population. The reality yeah. is that a lot of these people, like. Even like I would have guessed somebody like Athlean X, definitely somebody like Liver King. It's a mm. lot of Gen Pop. They're a it's year mostly into Gen it. Pop. So right. I went to the Mr. Olympia, and everybody that I talked to, except for Jose Raymond, uh, but we'll save that for our podcast in the future. Everybody was happy that it happened, mm-hmm. and they they mentioned all kinds of words that I won't repeat on YouTube. Um, uh, talking about the Liver King, people that knew what happened and people who didn't know what happened were just happy that that he got exposed but didn't know I was involved. Mm-hmm. I haven't met anybody so far um, besides people online that were actually upset that he got exposed. Yeah. You know, like all the words you generally expect from a YouTube comment, right? All the, all the bad right. words on my YouTube channel that I had to delete because I was pretty vulgar. Um, so, right. yeah. So I, I would say that people in the fitness industry or the, or the very large majority of the people that I spoke to in the two weeks that I was in the United States, they knew uh, they didn't like the guy and they were happy that it happened. But I think general population, the people that do believe it, that wrestling is real or uh, do think that all of the movie star are, movie stars are drug-free, like right. Thor or Captain America or, or The Rock, right? All these uh, personas, um, yeah, they're probably disappointed because they've been lied to for one and a half years. Sure. And the weird thing is that they keep supporting the guy, even though he kept lying over and over and over again about this particular subject. And then in the apology video, it's still a little bit of half-truths, in my opinion. So sure. those people will still support him. And and by all means, go for it. You know, the, 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 there's now a huge... Uh, people have made their choice, so to say. Right? They've made the choice to support the guy or not. And those who will continue to support the guy, they will... They're probably people that were so far gone with their health that such a lifestyle that the guy promotes is already better than whatever they were doing in the past. But if you go to a bro science diet or a vegan diet or a ketogenic diet or any diet that involves you cooking your own meals, there will already be an improvement. It doesn't matter right. which direction. If you come from fast food, not exercising, um, um, drinking, drugs, etc. 
if you come from that background or you're clinically depressed and you start eating a little bit better, no matter what diet it is, you'll already do better. So it has nothing to do with the carnivore diet and eating raw testicles and, and taking supplements with labels that have single ingredients, but no nutritional breakdown. Um, I think that those people that actually followed the guy um, could have done get could have gotten similar results from anything that involved sure. cooking your own meals. So yeah, and, and probably like did it cheaper there. and with less less false expectations of what is actually realistic following a lifestyle like that, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of psychological evidence that suggests, I mean, a few of these things. One, you, everybody's personal anecdote is the most important thing to them in spite mm -hmm. of whatever research might counteract that. Yeah. Two, when you have a large investment into something, even in the face of evidence against it, it's very hard to then back down from it, right? You justify it in other ways. You say, yeah. well, you know, or like the classic thing with a charlatan showing that maybe 80% of what they say is actually kind of correct. But then mm -hmm. a lot of it is just BS. It's like, well, this is correct. This is correct. This is correct. And unless you really have a lot of knowledge in that area, you mm -hmm. can't parse out what's correct and what's not correct. So you just yeah. believe all of it. And then, and then again, you have your own personal results. So this is why everybody is a, an expert in diet, right? Because they've all had their own experiences <laughs> with it. Yeah. And, and then they yeah. just go with that. So I get like, if you're a general population person, wow, I was eating like garbage. Now I'm eating all this meat and everything. I've lost weight. I feel better. Yeah. You know, you get all your vitamins in, you get your B vitamins, you get a little bit of cholesterol, you get, you know, some omega-3s, you get, you know, your digestion is better. You lower inflammation. There's, there's a lot to be said for a carnivore diet. You know, people yeah. get great results worldwide. The, the long-term evidence isn't really there. And then when the carnivore guys start to dig up evidence that's long-term, it's, you know, kind of cherry-picked, you know? It, yeah. it, you never, the cholesterol doesn't matter. Well, it does matter if you look into, mm -hmm. you know, very long-term data. So I think the carnivore diet is a great starting point if you mess yourself up due to lifestyle decisions. But you can only accomplish so much. And and when you look at, um, what is his name? Uh, the carnivore guy, carnivore MD. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Paul Saladino. Paul, Paul Saladino. So if you look at Paul Saladino, I think that's a realistic goal to have. Yeah. Of what your physique can look like a little bit lanky, a little bit of that, you know, weird textured, literary skin. Um, you know, but he seems like a nice guy. He interprets his blood work very well. Whether he believed that, you know, Brian was on steroids or not, or Livergeard was on steroids or not, that's to be debated. But, you know, why Why would the guy look for, you know, hormone advice somewhere else if, if Brian didn't know? So I, I'm, you know, a lot of people called, uh, oh, sorry, um, Paul. Uh, well, Paul, yeah, I Paul said, So I know a lot of people Paul. are hammering on Paul, but I've been on the receiving end of, of quote-unquote friendships where people were just lying through their teeth yeah. for years, uh, very recently. And... And that hurts. You know, like, if I can't yeah. believe how stupid I am for investing into this friendship that turned out to be oh, I just based on, you, meant. <laughs> you know, so, so, yeah. well, let's not go there. But so you feel dumb about yourself, right? You feel yeah. a bit, you feel sad for, I'm 40 fucking years old. Why, why am I letting this happen to myself again? You know, when I was 25, I should have known better and now invested into a friendship that didn't pay off. So I can completely understand if again, if if Brian didn't know, I can completely understand how that if feels. Paul so, didn't know. Yeah, Paul. Yes, fuck. Sorry, Paul, yeah, if no. Paul didn't know. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I don't want to hammer on Paul too much. Um, you know, and, and in the end, yeah, if you have to, if you have to save face to keep his image and business going, 
man, what is he going to do? You know, like I, yeah. I had to distance myself from people to keep my business intact and my reputation intact. So, you know, and in the end, yeah, what are you, what is he going to say? I knew he was, Brian was taking steroids and I supported him all the way. We're business partners and I, I, I right, took 50% right. cut on based on his lies. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I see it both ways. I think people like, and I don't know Paul at all. I don't really even follow Paul other than when I see other people post about yeah. him. Um, I think it is nearly impossible that you would be in this industry, which again, I know he doesn't take the lifting part as seriously as, as some other people, but that yeah. you're in this industry and that you knew him five years ago, which if you look back five years ago, he was impressive physically, liver king, but not nearly mm-hmm. as much. And to see that and to not be 99% certain that he is taking stuff. With that said, I would also say that, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I don't know how much business they did together. So this is just like an outside perspective. It's not necessarily on him to make sure that all of his friends and everything are are doing everything correctly. Like if he blatantly knew and Brian told him, hey, I'm lying to all these people. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, again, like it, it's not like I've had people on the podcast. If I have somebody on the podcast and then they're doing something mm-hmm. nefarious on the outside, it's not like I'm supporting that necessarily. So no, um, but you're I not in think- business with these people. Yeah, that's, right. That's different. Like I'm, 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 you know, partially in business with Derek because, you know, I'm a sponsored athlete. I help, you know, here and there with formulations or product development where I can. You know, I give my recommendations. Uh, I do fact checking for videos. Right, we're we're heavily involved with what we're trying to portray to the outside world, and that's a better state of health for the fitness community. Right, that's the overall message of me and Derek. And even though you know Derek is a little bit more, you know, for mainstream, and I'm a little bit more hardcore. Um, with all the naughty, crazy information that most people don't want to share, but I don't, I don't really care at this point. I just put it out there, right? So, let's say I were to do something stupid, I would expect Derek to distance from himself from me right away because he's got to keep his empire going. Sure. And and the other way around, it would be the same. You know, if Derek were to do something incredibly stupid, I would have to distance myself from that collaboration as well. But. I don't see anything that Derek is doing or I'm doing that both of us agree with like, oh, dude, that's 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 a scumbag move, Steve, or scumbag right, move, right. Derek. Right? And then that would have been a discussion. Um, so I don't know if Paul had the foresight to bring that up. But I think in his statement, he brought that up, that he was worried about the guy's health. You know, and again, you, you know, to honor a friendship, you have to keep a little bit for yourself and not go in depth too much sure. um, when you make a statement like that. I mean, I, I, I made a 30-minute statement and then i redacted and redacted and redacted until i felt it was suitable for the public yeah because yeah, there's a lot yeah. more to be said <laughs> there's so much yeah, more to be said sure. so, yeah it's tough um and again i, I don't it, know anything with paul but it's just it's hard to imagine anybody looks at that guy and meets him in person and works with him and isn't like you know it's it's pretty obvious i think to almost anybody who, who's yeah. been doing it for a while you know of course everybody in the fitness industry knew Right. Everybody knows it came to no surprise to nobody, uh, the only surprised general population, um, which, you know, now looking back, you know, I mean, did I, 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 I tried to better the general population and all I got was shit for it. Yeah. So you, you got attacked a lot for your it? video? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that's all online. Right. So that's why when I went to the United States, I was like, OK, in the back of my hand, let's see how long it takes from one of these guys to show up and say something it didn't happen. Did yeah, happen whether I was in LA or Las Vegas, or going outside, talking to people, 
Um, the only person who said something was Jose Raymond. We have we had an adult discussion about it while we were both blastingly drunk. Um, so we had a good laugh. Yeah, and 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 that was done respectfully. Um, so that was the only resistance that I got in the real world. Mm-hmm. And and everything else was online. And you know how online is. You know people vent their frustrations, and you know they're your worst enemy. They want to murder you, and then oh man, all kinds of weird stuff. Um, which was never my intention for the guy. My intention was for him to come clean after lying for one and a half years, which he did to a certain extent. So yeah. that you got to respect. But it, yeah, in my opinion, he could have handled that a lot better. But he could have been handling it a lot better for the last one and a half years. Yeah. So Am I I'm sure what people that was supposed to be a part two as well at some point. Didn't no, so that was the blood work. Yeah, that was the blood work. But I, I don't think that's yeah. Oh, okay. That won't know, come out. No. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, but now everybody's talking about it, right? Greg Duchette made 400 videos about this topic. <laughs> <laughs> and at least, you know, at least Johnny Bravo and Nick Trujillo had the balls to reach out to me directly and said, hey, uh, what about this? What about that? Uh, before they made their videos. But a lot of guys didn't reach out and they would just post their uh, opinion uh, yeah. based on what they saw online, which, you know, what you see online is only part of the story, you know? And what sure. about, it's you know, there's, there's so much more to be said. I mean, I'm sure Liver King would like to say more too, but you know, yeah. I think at this point it's kind of died out and just let the guy do his thing. And, you know, if he wants to continue or whatever is next for him, that's something he'll need to address. You know, I'm going to keep pushing forward and, and try to provide the best quality information I can and keep people healthy. And then just like all the people that I met at the Mr. Olympia with tears in their eyes, um, telling me that they never thought about MRIs and CT scans and ultrasounds and, and you know, or, or safer practices, right? Yeah. So all those people that I met at the Mr. Olympia were, yeah, they were very kind and generous and, and thankful for the last two or three years that I've been producing content on YouTube. So that's what I'll continue to do. Yesterday, I met, did you watch that video yesterday? The one that you did put I out? Post? Yeah. Uh, I know. Let me check what it was. No, it's okay. It was just a little 2023 plan. So I started. To oh, I off. saw the title of it. I yeah. saw. Yeah. Now, what's that about going so on? So it's just, I just that I was looking for an editor. I started a Patreon and then, you know, the direction of the YouTube channel. So I opened that video saying, um, I'm going to focus on Natty or not. I'm going to expose all of the fake naturals. Um, reaction style content, you know, highlight all the flaws of some fitness influencer and never omit all of the 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 accomplishments, right? All the good stuff of this particular if so I really hammered down on them and then five minute videos yeah. with a ton of ads and people had a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a joke, right? People are like, dude, I'm unsubscribing, edit, right? Five minutes later, oh okay, you're actually going to do more deep dives. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's why people are subscribed. Yeah, it was a yeah. good wake up. I haven't produced that much content the last three months because I just got so busy. Uh, okay. but I'm I'm almost back at the full swing. So enough about this subject. Sure. How's it been for you, man? I saw that podcast with uh, Schofield and Abel and French guy. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I had yeah. to watch yeah. it right before to see if anybody said something. But actually, that was <laughs> that was that was a good podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I like all those guys a lot. Um, yeah, Jeff, have you spoken with Jeff? Uh, Jeff, very no, and he's 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 in China still, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, yep. You see, he got to get out of there. Yeah, Everything yeah. I heard about China said it's that going, it's going crazy over there, you know, with the restrictions and so. Yeah, I've known. And him it's for, weird. He said he, he didn't monetize his channel. He didn't, and then the natural hypertrophy guy, he doesn't at all. He's he's very yeah. 
private, um, which I think, I, I mean, I don't know if Jeff is going back and forth on that or not. He's got books. He does coaching. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really interesting, actually, to, again, be involved and get to meet so many people doing different things with the industry because yeah. mm-hmm. I think you can do very well. I will say I, <laughs> I've i never seen an industry where there's just so much BS. I mean, I, I won't call the guy out by name, but I, I saw a guy yeah. recently say that he makes close to seven figures per year doing this. And mm-hmm. I, I would tell you, I know this guy enough to know there is a 0.000% chance that is true mm-hmm. or, or even close. And it's just like, I guess there's a fake. It's over a million, it. right? Seven figures. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not even, it's, it's, it's I'd tough. be surprised if this guy makes six figures, to be honest. But okay. um, six figures is doable, but that's a big range. Yeah. That's yeah, a, exactly. That's a big range. Yeah. But it's just, um, it's interesting how much of a, like I said, fake it till you make it. There is same thing with like coaching mm. in general, people who say, oh, I've coached all these people. And it's like, have you that? Like, there's just. It's weird that the the standard almost is that you just say whatever you want until you get your coaching, you know, progress or whatever your video progress, mm-hmm. and then you just kind of go from there. Like I know, well, honestly, like- honest, I'm going to be brutally honest. Ten years ago, twelve years ago, when I started coaching, and I had mm-hmm. my wife as a client, right, who didn't pay because she was in the girlfriend zone. When yeah. people ask me who do you coach, I said I have about five clients, but they're abroad because mm-hmm. nobody wants to be the first. So right, of course. You know, I I did that too to get started. You know, once I got five clients, I kept it at five. I didn't say fifty. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> no, know? I mean people like to some degree. I mean, look, like when I when I first started doing procedures, right? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like how many implants have you done? It's like you know, I I wouldn't lie, but I would just say I, I had some joke that it's honestly been so mm-hmm. long and I've done so many now I don't even remember. But I would just have some joke right out of residency, um, yeah. and, and it's just it's tough if you're the first. Even now, like yeah. I'll sometimes take my mask off and. To see how I don't young think I look that young, but compared yeah. to maybe like their former, you know, doctor who was mm-hmm. 55, it's like, oh, are you a kid? Have you done this before? So you still get that. And there's that perception, yeah. you know, you don't want to seem inexperienced. Well, I, do I will stay until you're like over 50 because even I'm close to 40 and people still say that I'm young. You know, those guys are in yeah. their 50s, like right. the guys that have been in the fitness industry a long time. And they're like, ah, you're 40. Life's just it, It's so funny how that changes. <laughs> I used to work with a guy who was 72. And uh-huh. we were talking about a patient who's coming in and I was just saying, you know, details. And then he was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a young girl. She was mm-hmm. like 53 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, what? It's perspective, right? Yeah. It's, it's perspective. perspective. Yeah. So That's funny. so funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. tough, man. I think once, once you break that 40 year old mark, then, then people of all ages start to get, take you a little bit more seriously. But yeah, mm-hmm. 70, I mean, dude, you, you've lived so much of a life that everybody's younger than yeah. you are, you know, and especially if you've been working in the same field for what, 40, 50 years, exactly. and yeah, then everybody's kind of dumb compared to you, you know, so you're just yeah, like, yeah. Hey, you- good luck, good luck, change that crowd. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Uh, but a lot of people, what I noticed with social media is it's like, a, you can almost kind of pro- like, see and project somebody's trajectory as far as their growth. Like, mm-hmm. um, there's a plastic surgeon I had on the podcast and I told him when he was at 20,000 subscribers, I said, dude, you said that in the year, last podcast. I remember yeah. vividly. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's, he's up to like 450,000, but you can wow. just tell the style right. of video. And I know, like you said, you were joking about the way that you're going to have these short videos and calling out everybody. But yeah. at the same time, you do know that if you did that, you'd probably lose a lot of your current audience, but you'd yeah. build a huge new audience. And it, then it yeah. just becomes an ethical discussion and, and just what the person's preferences are. Like, mm-hmm. do you like making that content? But a lot of times I think with the type of content, you can kind of see where it's going to go. Growth so, 
So if you want to go vanilla, that's basically the way to go, right? Most of the bigger YouTube channels, it's all reaction content. PewDiePie, Sniper Wolf, Mr. Beast Reacts. Um, it's all people reacting to other stuff, right? So you're yeah. you're there with your best friend that's online reacting to this content and, and, and you know, you get uh, influenced by their opinion. And then fancy editing and a lot of jump cuts and, you know, dopamine hits because that's that's what general population wants. Now, I thought about it going that route and that's why I made that joke in the video that I released yesterday. Um, I thought about it, but I don't want to be known as a disingenuous guy. Like I started to share everything that I knew about bodybuilding and health and nutrition and that kind of stuff online. So, you know, once I moved away from this field and at least people that, you know, watch my YouTube channel, they didn't have to undergo the same lengthy deep dives that I did because it would all be there on the YouTube channel. So I have about 500 videos left and then I think I'm pretty much done in that endeavor. And, you know, I could gain a bigger audience and, and grow my AdSense account and my subscribers and make a ton of money, um, you know, making that kind of content, but it's not what I enjoy doing. And I don't think I will add any value beyond the current reaction channels that are already there. Because if you aim for general population, you have to dumb it down. But I moved to Thailand to get away from general population. I specifically yeah. don't learn the language, so I don't have to interact with general population. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, really? And people say, well, I don't learn Thai. I mean, I speak enough Thai to get around. But as soon as you start to learn the language, then I'm into the same position as I was in Holland. You understand everything. And everything that I understand, I didn't enjoy hearing. You know, as brutal as it sounds. Yeah. So now I'm just, I'm just like, okay, I'm like, you know, the invisible man. And I only yeah. talk with people that are in, in, you know, in the YouTube game or successful entrepreneurs or, so I'm really selective on who I surround myself with. And I want the same thing on my YouTube channel. I just want to, you know, get maybe a hundred thousand people that are like-minded, that like pharmacology, that like business, that like, um, or that have patients, right? They can be in a long-term relationship that lasts at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, I've been with my wife for eight now, now, so, you know, we're not even getting started yet. I want the people that have vision, right? On how to improve their lives through any way, you know, any means possible, whether that's pharmacology or business or, or nutrition or training, right? People want to level up. That's, that's the people I enjoy working with and talking to because then you can level up together. Right. Yep. So you let general population in and that brings the entire intelligence of the channel and the 100,000 or 70,000 subscribers, which are already there down. It's like you take it from 150 IQ to 98. Mm -hmm. I can't live with myself, man. Yeah. And it's and, tough because you know you're limiting your growth. And, you know, yeah. most people, you respond to that, right? You said those dopamine hits. Oh, I do this thing. You, you probably heard me say this on that, that roundtable podcast yeah, where it's mm -hmm. like, even if it's not getting you towards the goal you have in mind, it, it counts as progress. There's more views and it's really hard to realize mm -hmm. that like it, you don't want to miss the forest for the trees. Right. And you don't yeah. want to sidestep this thing just to get, you know, quick view or quick buck or whatever it is. But mm -hmm. it's hard to do that because you, you almost get tricked by it. Um, you know, yeah, I, I know. That too. I know, I know. So, so sometimes I think you look at the views, purely the views and the engagement on the topics. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do more of this kind of content. And then I realized that I'm miserable making that kind of content. And the people who actually sign up for consultations or mentorship or, or e buy eBooks, they watch the content that gets the least amount of views. Mm. The long form content, the, the highly in-depth, highly structured timestamps, 
content that you would need to sit down with a pen and paper. That's what I saw from the, the comments on the latest video. I said, we like deep dives. I get my notepad ready. I start researching. I might pause the video to go to PubMed, do more research, come back to the video, continue watching, go to PubMed again, buy a study, right? Or, or read something on Science Direct. That's, that's my core audience. That's the people who yeah. actually support me and the people who do consultations and I get residual business from, right? So I realized that a long time ago that a video doesn't need to do well for my presence and reputation, uh, which is now a little bit, you know, a little bit damaged, but I'm trying my best to <laughs> bring that back up. Um, you know, the people that watch those videos that don't get so many views, those are my core audience. Yeah. And the popular videos, those are just extra people coming in that might stay around for a couple of the easy to digest videos. But right. I like to produce highly in-depth videos that are difficult to digest. So it's a little bit of a filter of the people who can actually watch it to the end are worthy yeah. of my life experience. Yep. Now, my life experience has been, you know, all over the place. So I understand that not everybody can, you know, get something out of that. But I think the people that do, you know, there will just be a core audience of 25,000 to 100,000 people. And once I break 100,000, then I, I realized that I, I um, collected more like-minded, in, in, like-minded individuals than I ever thought possible. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm going to get to a million and maybe I don't even want it because I would never be able to talk to all of them when I go to the Mr. Olympia. Well, I don't think, and this is kind of what I was saying to them, mm. again, they're more like the natural crowd, but it's, mm. you look at certain content and it's like, I would agree with you. If you stay with kind of content you're producing now, yeah. you'll never get to a million subscribers, which no. isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's like, there's not a million people out there who want deep dives into no. anabolics. And, you know what I, I think, mean? I think, most 100, I think I'm most a hundred thousand, the content that I make now the life-changing content, the content that takes forever to produce and forever to digest. Um, I think, I think a hundred thousand, maybe 125 with time. Yeah. Um, there's just not so many intelligent people out there who are really willing to sit down nowadays and learn something new, whether that's from the yeah. scientific evidence or the anecdotal experience or my personal experience, or just piecing it all together, knowing what I know about biology. And then, you know, the, the tons of people that I helped the last 10 to 15 years. Um, yeah, I think the audience for that is very, very small. But those people, when you meet them at the Mr. Olympia, all successful, all yep. respectable people with long-term relationships, whether that's, um, you know, married or girlfriend or, or friendships that I've had for decades, right? People that really take care of their health, people that really are on top of their stuff, you know, solid people, right? Base people. And, and that's the people I'm trying to collect as subscribers. It's like a, a catch them all Pokemon. But yeah. <laughs> the ones that I'm trying to catch have the, you know, the, the, the most points and are the most difficult to find. Right. Um, I think an example is like you look at, and again, like how in a way like specialized you are. So I look at somebody like a Peter Tia versus maybe mm-hmm. like a Mark Hyman, right? So like yeah. Mark Hyman, from what I've seen, really not a fan of a lot of his work. He kind of falls into that category I was saying before of like, well, a lot of this stuff is true, but then there's all this added stuff that's not true. Or there's no evidence. I just looked yeah. at real quick, 2.2 million followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Then you got somebody like a Peter Atia who, you know, his, and I've mentioned this with my podcast too. YouTube is not really the best format for just podcasts. So like mm-hmm. I would just never grow that much because I primarily do podcasts. But Peter Atia's YouTube is not really active at all. He's got a very popular podcast, but even then it's not in the realm of a top 10 or top 50 because it's like, 
people who, I mean, you have to be intelligent to get through his podcast mm -hmm. if you're really understanding them. And it's focused on longevity and health and, and like long term, yeah. right? It's not this quick entertaining thing. You, so, need, you need to be so financially secure for for to follow up on the content that you provide. Yeah, and I realized like like I have an upcoming uh, mitochondrial support stack, and it's how to improve your mitochondrial functioning, uh, reduce oxidative stress, and just improve the overall quality of life because mitochondria and and you know enzymatic reactions within the body contribute to anti aging and you feeling in tip top shape twenty four seven. Right, that stack costs thousands of dollars per month. Mm -hmm. Really? A lot of people can't afford that. Yeah, NAD plus, NMN, uh, a blood work, right? Man, injectable glutathione, the IV treatment, which costs money. So it, it, it will set you back. You know, it's a huge luxury. And dude, when I produce that, it will be one of my proudest videos because mm. it will, it will, you know, people can actually afford it. It will enhance their life substantially, right? It will, you will take 10, 15 years off how you feel, right? So I went, yeah. I went back 10 years, literally. I don't feel 40 at all. I feel like 30, maybe 25 on some days. Yeah. And, and that protocol is going to get maybe two, 3,000 views. And maybe 1,000 people uh, who watch that protocol can actually follow through because they're financially secure enough. And, and those will be the people that I meet in real life or fly into Thailand or, or you know, send me a lengthy email of how, many, how much I changed their lives. And, and you know, that's ultimately what I do it for. So I don't need a big audience. I just need an audience of people that... Um, it's kind of like me, you know, whether that's all over the world um, or, or within Thailand or, or solely in America. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Well, it's very helpful to have that specific niche because, again, like you look at Peter T. I didn't even know he, w he was this well known, but I realized mm -hmm. recently he's Hugh Jackman's uh, doctor. He's Chris yeah. Hemsworth's doctor. I did not realize that. But it's because so I, I think this the evidence on like I think maybe David Sinclair is probably a mm -hmm. little bit too um optimistic with you know what we'll be able to do with just a few years lifespan yeah. wise i think peter t is very realistic which is to say you know maybe we can add five ten years but it's also a huge like quality of life thing but right. he's he's kind of known as like this guy and that's how you get celebrities to go to them because i mean the reality is there might be other doctors just as good but you want that person you've heard on the podcast you want that person right so, so so with the with, with the youtube channel what i noticed is that people will start following you right and instead of going to the doctor and having a 20 minute interaction, they can watch you for hours. Yeah. And then it's the same as uh, meeting girls on Tinder or, or another dating app. You've been chatting for hours already. So you feel like you mm -hmm. know each other and then, you know, sleeping together is way easier. And it's the same with customers uh, that, that sign up for services. They've watched you for hours. They know the information that you have and they like you as a person you're based in, in long-term relationships and, and you know that all counts for something yeah and and then they're much easier to decide themselves to sign up for a service like right. I, I don't yeah. need to chat with anybody on instagram for hours on end before they buy an ebook they'll yeah. they'll buy the ebook themselves if they like what i have to present on youtube um and it's the same with attila or, or, or you know all of these guys that go into anti-aging you only need a hundred financially secure people to you know like your stuff and, and, and you have customers for life. Yeah, yeah. So, well, especially with and, that and of one, course, right? Yeah, that's yeah. and of course, I, I try to mix in, you know, the, the content that is for people who are undergoing the recession now, right? So I, I make videos about budget bodybuilding, budget fitness, cheap food options, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, because if I had a time machine, that would be very valuable for me too when I was dead broke in my 20s. 
And, uh, you know, now that's, you know, I'm a little bit more financially secure, so I can focus more on those, you know, more expensive treatments and and anti-aging stuff. So I'm just trying to diversify and then try to keep it balanced, you know, but it's, yeah, yeah, I don't expect a million subs, man. Plus, I probably don't want that because, you know, the more subs you have, the less of a private life you have. And I do enjoy being able to go outside um, without getting recognized. You know, a little bit of anonymity is appreciated. Yeah, yeah, I just, it's like a final social media comment. I just thought it was interesting. You said, you know, I think you said 500, which is obviously a lot of videos, but just the idea that you have X number of videos versus, again, somebody like, a, I don't, I don't um, subscribe to Greg just said on YouTube, but mm-hmm. when you do these reaction videos or even like um, somebody who I, I do respect, I think like um, Nick Strength and oh. Power, right? Oh, like yeah. there's constant <laughs> content. Read between the lines there. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I do respect <laughs> because there's there's news right so there's yeah. news so there's always more stuff this is why i i actually it's funny so i i write down my goals and i actually found something mm. from 2014 where I, I wrote down video ideas and and my i forgot yeah. about that because i didn't oh, really okay. 2018 well i mm. had because my thought was i'm gonna have 50 like the reason i never did it before the podcast is i'm gonna have 50 to 100 videos and then that's it. Like, it's going to be everything I really have to say. Whereas a podcast, yeah. there's constantly new stuff. There's new people right. to talk to and meet. Mm-hmm. So that's really what got me to do it. And and lo and behold, if you look at my my um, content over the four years, I've done about 80 videos as like personal videos, not right. podcast mm-hmm. videos. Mm-hmm. So it's right in line with what I said. It, it's just kind of like, those are the ones where because I have the podcast as a weekly thing, if I want to talk about a video, I do. But I, it, there's no pressure if I have to do it. But if yeah. all you do is reaction videos or stuff like there, you got to have stuff that's constant versus you were saying like with the five. Oh, there's always something to react to, and if and otherwise, if there's nothing to the re, the re, uh, react to, you design the narrative, and then you know script it out, and then react to that, react to the script using mm-hmm. footage and and you know angle that in a certain direction. So that's why I personally I don't really like reaction style content. Um, and and my my videos are of course not you know you can watch them today or next year right there's no pressure on it so that's why the yep. audience the, the the algorithm doesn't really pick them up because most people are like oh I can watch that next week mm-hmm. but then when YouTube wants you to watch it right now so they can yeah. push ads and make money right so my content is not very algorithm friendly that's why you know just grow slow but again if I when I go went to the Mr Olympia and I see the, the amount of love and respect that I get. I mean, it's overwhelming, man. Yeah. I, I, I didn't expect that at all. So, and, and what is what is a bigger event in the bodybuilding space? Arnold Classic? Yeah. You know, FIBO Germany. There's no bodybuilding contest there anymore. But I think when they have a FIBO Germany, the Expo, it's gigantic. I've been there. Mm. Um, so, you know, w- once I realized that, okay, I'm now finally part of the fitness industry and the large majority of the people respect me and, and love me for what I'm doing, then all I have to do is keep doing what I'm doing. And eventually more people will find me, you know, on my YouTube channel. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, for me, it's just a matter of time. And I've always been a patient guy and I was drug free for 11 years. And um, I, I come off cycle. I'm patient with my PCT and my organ imaging, which, you know, a lot of people are not doing that nowadays, but I can wait. Dude, I've been in, yeah. you know, investments for 
a very long time. And some investments take four or five years to pay off. But when they pay off, they pay off good. And yeah, those yeah. investments that pay off allow me not to do a reaction videos. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, let, let's, I, I forget sometimes that you were natural. For, obviously, everybody started natural. I forget that you yeah. were natural for that long. Um, yeah. so, so let's dive into a little bit on that topic because yeah. something we said a little bit before recording was, I think, and I forget, maybe Scott Stevenson said this recently, um, that mm. people both overstate and understate the importance of steroids. And I, and I yeah. think you get both, right? So you get the bodybuilders who say, it's just the cherry on top. And it's like, okay, but you happen to be hundred pounds heavier than like any natural bodybuilder. Right. Yeah. But what very commonly is thought is that like, I'm going to take steroids and I'm going to look like Ronnie Coleman. And I think probably okay. most people listening to this understand that's not true. But again, going mm. back to gen pop, like that is a really common view. And I have oh, friends yeah. who are smaller than me who are actively on gear. Um, it, you know, I talk about genetics a lot and I think people forget that genetic response is still a genetic component, right? And mm -hmm. how you respond to steroids is hugely variable. So I'll leave it at that if you want to discuss a little bit. Yeah, so I think a lot of people just don't take the time to figure out their body. Now, I, I probably could have figured my body out in five years if I were to hire a coach like, you know, a 3D Muscle Journey or Alberto Nunez or any of those guys that are highly experienced with drug-free bodybuilding, or at least from what I understand. Because when I was drug-free, those guys weren't around or, or coaching was not really a thing, right? We're talking about up until, how, what was the year? 2009, right? I mean, social media wasn't really around. Bodybuilding.com was a thing, but I mean, the only naturals on there were kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so those guys you wouldn't sign up for, for coaching, or at least not me. And I was like, Oh, why would I sign up for this, this madness? So I think, if I, if I were to redo it, let's say now, and I would still be drug-free, I would sign up with a proper drug-free coach and, and just get uh, guidance, right? And I think based on what I look like drug-free, my biggest and my leanest, I think I could have gained another 10 pounds. You know, and remind me, what, what was your stats before you jumped on anything? I think I was like 74 kilos lean. So let me, let me type that into the kilograms, the pounds. And when I say lean, it's like, 7% body fat. So that's not Nunez lean. Uh, right, so that's 165. Right. And then my, my heaviest, that was about, let's say 195, 200. Okay. Yeah, so five and nine. you're five, nine. But that was yeah, yeah. chunky. Yeah. That was chunky, chunky, chunky 200. 200. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, yeah. that's like still one, solid. One, I mean, one, one pack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. so that's, that's pretty much in line with like a good natural bodybuilder, right? Like 165, I, not stage lean, but you yeah. know, you know. Like like off season, middle of the winter, when you wear a sweater, you would look big. People were like, right. hmm, what's going on here? You know, people would yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Had to kind of <laughs> quantify how big you are. You have a little bit of thickness. And yeah. then of course, when you diet down and, and, you know, I would follow the, you know, the IFB pro diets with two hours of cardio and then fish and asparagus because we didn't know any better. Um, to get lean that way. So I'd lost a ton of strength, a ton of size. And of course, if I had a time machine and I could do it with the drug-free information that's available nowadays, I'd probably end up maybe two, three kilos heavier, you know, doing the same diet. And I would train vastly different. My nutrition would stay pretty much the same. But my, you know, I was really heavy into nutrition at the time because that's basically all you have. Nutrition yeah. and training, you know, training volume. Um, so, but I, honestly, I think I could have gained, you know, a decent amount of size and, and, and better conditioning. Yeah. Um, but well, that's, that's all in hindsight view, like, you know, yeah. two, three kilograms at the same body fat. I think that's completely realistic. Yeah. You know, some people, they think, oh, if I 
like I've, I've heard some guy, I talk about this, like um, it's like PED amnesia and, and people mm-hmm. almost forget how much it helped. And it's people who be like, well, if I wasn't on gear, I still would have gained one pound of muscle a year for 20 years. So I, I'd be about the same size. You know, you get that nonsense. Yeah, I was, I, I think dude, I was stuck at, I was stuck at 195 pounds for five years. Mm. I got bored of it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm fat again. I, I, I gained one increment on my lift and everybody is around me on steroids making phenomenal gains. And then, you know, the economic crisis of 2009, 2010 happened. And it was like, I lost my job due to the, the mm. bankruptcy case. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get my hands dirty. I was 26 years old. I did a cycle of one amp of test because I was scared. I didn't want to take any more. So that's TRT plus. And then I finished that off with injectable winstrol in uh, testosterone propionate. And I used some clenbuterol at the time. So the cycle was quite moderate. And I gained like four to six kilos on my first cycle. of, And I was leaner at the time. Yeah, I had a good response. But I also had 10 years in the gym on me. Um, So is that is that you know, all the hard work that I already put in now being doubled, you know, due to the steroids or tripled, however you want to look at it. Or was it good response to drugs? I think I have average response to drugs based on all the people that I coached. I've, I've met people who go on a one amp test for their first cycle and they explode and I get upset because I'm like, man, this guy wasn't natural for 10 years. He was natural for three. He does. He still doesn't know how to contract his biceps, you know, and he just blows up. And then I know guys that come to me for the first cycle and 250 doesn't work. And 500 doesn't work and a thousand does something and then I put them on insulin and then they explode. Um, yeah. So everybody has like that moment of, uh, you know, realization that, okay, this drug is like the best thing for me, uh, but it's different for everybody. So, yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, steroids are hugely understated and there's also something like muscle memory, right? So I used to be much bigger in the past and now I can sustain that with much lower dosages, but I wouldn't have gone up to 260 pounds or 255 pounds without copious amounts of steroids and copious amounts of growth hormone and copious amounts of insulin and copious amounts of food to the point I got non-alcoholic fatty liver disease out of it. What so, was the most that you took, everything combined? Uh, two grams of test, eight units of growth hormone, and then 35 units of long-acting insulin at that time, right? No other anabolics? No, I just or, because... So at that time, that was off season or, or no, that was, that was a cutting phase. Sorry. Off season, I would never go over a gram. Um, so that was a cutting phase. And at that time, injectable primobolin wasn't available. And that's when I became aware that all of the injectables here in Thailand were basically poison because the carrier oil were all synthetic and would raise inflammatory markers. So I was like, okay, I can throw more orals in the mix and burden my liver, or I can just take more tests. And an aromatized inhibitor. And everybody thought I was crazy, but that's to this day, it's still the best cycle I've ever done. Test, yeah. GH, and insulin. Test, GH, and insulin. Best freaking. Dude, I, my, my lipids were beautiful, right? My HDL was 50, my uh, LDL was 110. Total cholesterol nicely arranged. That's without any real lipid management, no uh, statin, no azetamide. I didn't even know about azetamide at the time. So it's just citrus bergamot and fish oil with each meal. And uh, cardio and healthy eating. My liver enzymes were beautiful. My, my, my blood pressure was normal. I took a little bit of Cialis to keep that under control. It was the easiest and most productive cycle I've ever did. Test, mm. GH, and insulin. That's why I wrote a whole ebook about it because I, I reproduced that cycle with many of my clients and they, they hire me for all the drug secrets and then you put them on such a basic cycle and they're pissed. 
Yeah, right, right. This, this is not what I want. I want the trembolone sandwich. I want the anivore. Yeah. I want the, you know, the this and that and fast-acting insulin. No, no, no. Start with this and let's see in three months. And they, they blow up and their blood work is beautiful. That's so, kind of how it is, like, you know, with even just when I prescribe people training and mm-hmm. nobody really complains. But, you know, I, I think sometimes with the clients that I get, they come to me because they're frustrated, obviously, with lack of progress. That's almost always why they come. And yeah. like, well, I was doing this, like, you know, I won't say the name, but, you know, this this person gave me this routine or this really complicated mm-hmm. thing. And I start them pretty basic. You know, I don't always slash volume, but a lot of times I do. And I think there's like, a, there's a surprise there. And I'm like, look, just give it a month and then we'll see yeah. what happens. We'll adjust. And then lo and behold, I haven't made strength gains like this in years. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah because you've taken away some stress of, you know, this anxiety of deciding. Junk, junk volume. A lot of volume. <laughs> like, and, and I mean, I very rarely had somebody who's like, oh, this just isn't working. You know, it, it's usually yeah. a pretty quick response. But same thing. I'm just saying you, you start basic and a lot of it, especially if, if you're coaching somebody, um, you know, it's how are we adjusting week to week, month to month, not just like, hey, here's this. Per-. That's why I don't I don't love like just generic templates to give people. I think mm-hmm. they're fine in a lot of cases, but just to say like, hey, here's this and now you're yeah. set. I think you got to be able to adapt. No, you got to adapt. My, my, my programs were always personalized. You know, that's why it took sometimes a week to write them out. And then, you know, when you get multiple applications per week, you just, you know, programming so much. But then when they get it, it's perfect from the start and they can follow it for two or three months. And then they get upset that there's no adjustments. I said, well, it's still working. So what are you complaining yeah, about? Exactly. It was good right. from the start. This is not a cookie cutter protocol that we have to adjust every week. This is yeah. a good protocol that we don't have to adjust. You know? So, and then, you know, if, if the client is really hammering on it, okay, you make some arbitrary adjustments for the sake of making adjustments. So they extend, you know, just, just a common business practice as a coach. You don't, you don't have to change anything, but otherwise the client gets upset. So you have to work with their mental capacity more than their psychology. Yeah, their, that's yeah psychology. Like, are right. we doing anything this week? It's like, yeah. like you said, it's still working. You, you want to change what's working? Like, yeah. So I would just make small changes and then say, oh, this looks great. And then they go try it and they could have done the same thing. You know, but the people like a little bit of change, plus they pay. So if there's no changements for a whole month, then they're wondering like, why am I paying hundreds of dollars just to do the same sure. thing over and over again? So, sure. okay. So that's a little bit of a strategy and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. You just have to, you know, go with the customer and, and, or the client. And if the client gets a little bit uh, edgy and, and, um, you know, impatient, okay, you change something for this, for the sake of keeping the client. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm not coaching anymore, by the way. So, you know, Oh really? No, I stopped. Honestly, I stopped after this liver King debacle one and a half years ago. Well, I guess you did. Um, I remember seeing your email recently and I guess you do, you do consultations still, but you don't still do consultations and mentorships. Um, so okay. mentorships are way more involved, like general bodybuilding coaching. That's um, like a weekly check-in, a couple of messages during the week. But yeah. most of it, after the initial, you know, introductory phase, most of it is just weekly check-ins, adjustments, see you later, weekly check-ins, adjustments. And that shouldn't cost that much. It's a couple hundred dollars a month. Yeah. But mentorship is basically taking a natural with subclinical testosterone levels that wants to get their hands dirty, but is too busy due to work. Um, from start to finish. So, you, you know, you come to me, you have your blood work ready and, and you see that your testosterone is low, right? And your diet is not so good. It's just basically taking beginners through their hormone journey. And yeah. then by the, by the end of six months, they say, hey, here's your diploma. Congratulations. You know everything about your body or sometimes four months. And they're on their way and they got knowledge for life. So it's, it's way more expensive because it's literally chatting the whole day. 
What about yeah, this? What yeah. about that? How do I do injections? Okay, let's jump on a call and I'll show you how to reconstitute your growth hormone and how to inject and where to inject. Don't worry if there's a little bit of blood. You know, all the little small things that when you get started with hormones, you don't really know about. Or, or these guys, they're so busy with business that they just ha don't have time to do the research. So they'd rather hire me at a premium so that I'm always on standby and always available. So you basically have your a secretary, you know, or, or, you know, handyman ready in case there's a, a problem, which arises multiple times per day. And once, you know, after a while, the questions kind of die out and they're good at a good place in life. Their libido is good. Their health is good. There you have a six pack, you know, everything is managed. Then at one point I say, you know what? I think you, I think you're good to go. You can, you know, I release you from your, you know, right. mentorship program right. and they move on. And then, you know, maybe once every six months we do a consultation just to top them up. Um, but that's, that's very, that's very, that's, that's very yeah. Yeah, it's like a crash course into pharmacology and everything they need to know. And we do monthly blood work and yeah, it's very involving, but that, that's why it's a little bit more expensive than regular bodybuilding coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I do think I, I tell people, I think the vast majority of people should stay natural in my opinion. Um, yeah. but if, if you are going to do something, whether it's, you know, TRT or obviously, you know, anything beyond that. Mm -hmm. You should know what you're doing because the reality, it's almost like what they say with, um, I, I don't know, like sex ed and everything. It's like, look, if you're 14, mm -hmm. 15, you, you probably should be having sex, but we're going to teach it in high school because if you're going to do it, make sure you're doing it <laughs> safe. And some people are just going to do steroids. Like it's just, they're going to, and mm -hmm. you can put out the education and say, look, you probably shouldn't for this, this, this reason. But also if you're going to do it as safe as possible, get this blood yeah. work, maybe get this imaging, which nobody gets imaging, you know, all these things like that, you know? So, but that's only something of the last four to five years, you know, it's because of channels like me and Derek and, and your channel and a couple others, highly intelligent people that always hammer it into the audience. Even the guys that are drug free, they still hammer the blood work and the healthy eating and the, and the organ imaging. Um, but that's only a select few. And, and, 10 years ago when I started, that wasn't around. You go to steroid.com, the forum, first yeah. cycle, 500 milligrams of tests, the animal kickstart, and, uh, and and good luck, right? Yeah, right. If you get gyno, he takes a Novadex, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so it has evolved so much. And I'm honestly a little bit jealous of the guys that get their hands dirty now or decide not to take it based on the information that is out there now. Because we didn't have that opportunity. That's why I'm trying to give back. And that's why you're trying to give back after I mean, you've been bodybuilding for over a decade also, right? Uh, I've been lifting since I was 12. So 18, yes. 18 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 20, 20 years. So, I mean, you've learned so much along the way and that, that's highly valuable. So if you, if you had a time machine and, and your 12-year-old self could watch you talk about training then and, you know, so many mistakes wouldn't have been made or, or sure. maybe your 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 physique would have looked so much better earlier on you know probably that's, earlier that's right I'm, yeah you and that's that you would have reached your natural potential at like 18 you're like man <laughs> right screw <laughs> this i'm gonna go yeah. sauce, you know <laughs> you, uh, do you think you would have not gone on gear if you could do it over again no <laughs> i would have still gotten on gear you still would have probably, gone on probably earlier yeah probably really earlier. Yeah. So Just, I look, well, look at this. So when I was 26, um, like I was making good gains, right? But after a while, you get a little bit bored of making no gains. Now, again, I could have done a lot better, but I was, you know, working full time as a consultant and, and, and you know, making like 80 hour weeks sometimes being highly stressed. I did. It's also very deleterious to your gains. So 
if I was a full-time bodybuilder, let's say I was, you know, uh, 24 now and I would have social media and the pressure of social media. Yeah, I would have started earlier and I would have milked that opportunity to the max. Yeah. Because I didn't have that opportunity of social media to make money. But if I were 24 or 22 now, document everything I could do drug-free for five years and then document the steroid journey under guidance and I would milk it and I would bank, but but keep it 100% legit. So I'll be honest about taking something. It's so different now. Um, You know, you made the analogy earlier to like Tinder and and whatnot. And so like Mm -hmm. when I was in college, basically that stuff came out right after I finished college. And, yeah. and same thing, like Instagram was getting big right around that time. I didn't have an Instagram for a long time, but mm. I can only imagine like being in high school now or college now with the amount of social media and dating apps and all these things, like just the influx. And like, honestly, I, I feel like I would have been so tempted in high school if I knew yeah. it was mm-hmm. even an option. Like, I didn't know that people were on gear in high school, but like knowing and knowing how frustrated I was with my lack of progress at the time, yeah, I, I probably would have been even more tempted to go on. I, I, I knew people were on, on steroids because I remember when I was 16 years old and I was going for, to the gym for about two years, there were a couple of kids in my school who took the Dianabol and the Anadrol from their dads. And they really? were huge. Yeah, they were oh, wow. huge. They were puffy, you know, like that, that you have that baby fat still on you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I take these supplements from my, my dad. And, you know, it gets him big. He takes two in the morning. So I take two in the morning. He, they didn't know. And I would have these Dianabol boxes from Thailand with a thousand tablets. So the dad would not be able to keep track. So sure, kids yeah, would take yeah. two in the morning, two in the evening. The same thing the dad did. So I would take like 20 milligrams of Dianabol per day. And they were huge. Wow. And I, I realized that these kids also were full with pimples. And these guys also had libido issues because you hear, you know, so I tried to sleep with this guy, but he couldn't get it up. Right. You hear yeah, the gossip yeah, going right. around real fast. So that turned me off actually. Yeah. But I think now with the, with all the steroid information that's online, um, including my channel, I mean, I've met these kids at the Mr. Olympia, um, you know, all the information to make better decisions is available. And for the kids that are willing to learn, yeah, they'll probably feel ready earlier um than intended so that that might be a, a negative thing of of you know per, uh, talking about pharmacology because you give the information to somebody who's not you know mature enough to make that decision but now they feel that they know everything when in yeah, reality it's, uh, I, I still have 500 videos to produce <laughs> before you right. know everything <laughs> right right that's funny yeah no it, it's it's really it's a fine line because there's no way like I, I've noticed this with anything, like with, if you are watching content on a given material, like even unrelated to this, like for instance, I, I was looking for a new car and I started mm-hmm. going down this rabbit hole of car videos. I've never been a guy who was like a car guy, cared about flashy cars or anything, but just mm-hmm. consuming that content, a yeah. month goes by two months. And all of a sudden I'm like finding this interest in cars that just wasn't there. And yeah. so if you're just now, Hey, I'm just going to learn about it. I'm just going to learn about gear. There's just no way you're not going to start to kind of vet out. Oh, look at this positive anecdote. Look at this positive anecdote. And you start to go down that cycle. Oh, you get a confirmation bias. Yeah. Right. And and so yeah. it's it's tough because it's like, where's the borderline of, hey, we want to educate you. But now you have this education. You think you know exactly how to do it. Hey. And, and like we all do. Right. We all think we know exactly what to do until it's 10 years later. Yeah. And we're like, oh, maybe that wasn't the best. So I don't have the answer. Obviously, I don't think anybody but- does. But. I think, I think you, at one point when you feel comfortable with what you know, like I, I, I was researching for years and then at 26, I felt comfortable. Now 
I knew nothing compared to I knew what I know now when I was 26 right. and started. Now I'm close to 40. I know way more. But at that time, I felt that I knew enough and I had a great first cycle, minimal side effects, no libido issues, a little bit of acne, you know, a little bit of water retention. Okay. I was able to mitigate that. So I knew enough to have a, a good outcome of my first cycle. And I think many people with my YouTube channel and other YouTube channels can have a very good outcome of their first cycle as well. Um, but once you go into the second, third and fourth cycle, and then, you know, starting throwing all these exotic compounds to really make gains, you know, the only real way to learn is by getting your hands dirty. You learn on the job, you learn driving a car when you bought a car and you start driving. Um, I had a very good co conversation with a friend of mine, James Coolest, who has a, a YouTube channel about Las Vegas. And so I've been watching that for six months, seven months in preparation to go to Las Vegas. And by the time I came to Las Vegas, I felt like an expert because he mm. talked about everything, about the hotels, about where to eat, what to do, what not to do, right? And then I met the guy and he said, you know, this was the goal of the YouTube channel to make people, for the first time you come to Vegas, you feel like a Vegas expert. And that's exactly how I felt, you know? I was taking my wife through Vegas on a, on a, guide, <laughs> on a guided tour, yeah. So how do you know this restaurant is here? I, said, well, I got it from the coolest YouTube channel. And how do you know this restaurant, this, this bar is there? from mm -hmm. youtube all right so and i think a lot of people watching my stuff feel the same way you know i got this idea from steve you yeah know? now we're gonna inject some tests <laughs> so so they might feel like an expert too but once you actually get your hands dirty then then the real the real knowledge starts to come because you need you know information and experience for that to some degree to i think yeah anecdote I, I made it the analogy i don't know if i said this on the podcast but I, i've mm -hmm. said it elsewhere that, you know, just your anecdote with your, we talked about this with diet a little bit. It's just, mm. even as you can be as educated as you want, it still seems to supersede, you know, everything else in the sense, like I'll, I'll give the analogy that again, I might've made elsewhere. So mm. I, I saw this doctor and she's just, like just a um, eye doctor. And so her, she mentioned that her dad, who's also a physician was mm. really against antibiotics. I'm sure he used them at times, but he was against yeah. antibiotics. Mm. The reason being because the wife, also a doctor, had this really bad experience with antibiotics, got sick, mm. all these things. So yeah. then he started going down the rabbit hole of problems with antibiotics. He now like teaches courses on the problems with antibiotics. And, and to be oh, clear, really? I mean, they, like there, there are concerns, but obviously they, they've done mm -hmm. you know, miracles. So the point is that Same one lives. experience, plenty of, of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but that one experience led him to go down this whole rabbit hole and more confirmation bias, et cetera. Yeah. That same guy with the same education and all of the thousands of studies out there could have just had one different experience, which is that maybe his wife felt so much better on them. And he yeah. could be a proponent saying, look at these yeah. morons out there who don't believe in antibiotics. Just that one thing. And yeah. so, you know, somebody is out there who is claiming that, you know, Trent is the nectar of the gods because when he goes on it, he just looks amazing. And somebody else is saying nobody should ever, ever go on Trent just because yeah. of their one experience. So it's just interesting, yeah. you know, the psychology of it all. Yeah, that's, uh, that's you know, yeah, the, the experience, personal experience, you know, plays heavily into how people talk about these drugs. And honestly, I'm not a big fan of Trent either because I couldn't handle my emotions, but I would still recommend it to competitors because there's nothing like Trent. You know, there's nothing like Trent in a contest setting. Um, there's no replacement besides a high dose of Anavar. My cat is, I got six, six cats running around. Yeah. Oh my God. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's six, crazy. Geez. Six. Yeah. I, uh, I got a new hobby besides bodybuilding. Now I collect mm -hmm. naked cats that are getting active now. That's okay. 
really? just ignore okay. your house. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's you know to come back to the question, you know, of uh, how much of an influence drugs have on a physique. It's huge, and people who downplay it are stupid. So it's, yeah, it's just icing on the cake. That's a big fat cake. That's a lot of icing. Right. It's more icing than cake, you know, and that's already a big fat cake. So um, I think, it, you know, the IFB process that it only makes a small amount, they wouldn't be pros without the drugs. Now, that's not discounting the work ethic because without the work ethic and the drugs, they would not be pros either. But sure. combining both, <laughs> man, and genetics, yeah, that's I've a pro genetics. And, and then 10 years of grinding. Yeah, that, that's because I know a lot of people who take steroids and end up nowhere. And then and, and they take way more than IFB pros, but they don't have the work ethic or they don't focus on their digestion and all these little things that you need to pay attention to. And they, they, they end up with a an average physique, you know, with lagging body parts. And, and so there's more that goes into bodybuilding than, than just the drugs and the food and the training. You know, it's, it's, yeah, what, it's is the, what is the longest you've gone uh, not taking anything, no growth hormone, nothing at all. So last year I, I was off cycle for nine months or two That's years. Ago for the, yeah. With the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And I honestly, it was fine. I just set my mind to, okay, now I'm not a bodybuilder anymore. I'm going to focus on business and getting myself healthy again, which, you know, when people listen, Oh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease sounds so serious, but it means that you have five or 10% of your liver is fat. That's what it means. My yeah. body fat has 15% or 10%. So that's even more than the liver has. It just means that your liver is not functioning correctly, right? Because there's too much fat and a little bit of metabolic disorder. So I had to resolve that. Plus, um, nobody documented that. So I saw that as an opportunity to educate people at my expense, <laughs> again, uh, you know, on how to get that resolved. So I, I, you know, I fixed it completely. And I was off cycle for nine months because I wanted to see how good my fertility would come back at that time as well. I could have fixed it in four months and then hopped right back on cycle, but I wanted to give myself some time because I knew that a couple of years later, I wanted to get my wife pregnant. So I restored my fertility fully within nine months of calling off cycle. And then I was and like, what okay. was it like, like a semen analysis, what did that show? Did you get one before that? Not nine months. Yeah. So my, my semen parameters, because I used ACG and on testosterone cycles, I'm I still fertile. So I'm about 20, 22 million sperm mm -hmm. per one milliliter, but the morphology and the motility is not so good. And then, you know, as I did a PCT and I used some fertility medications to recover HPTA, my testosterone came back to about 600 something nanograms per deciliter, which is very comparable to where it was when I was 26. But that's yeah. in a high stress environment, you know, working my ass off and going through lawsuits and, and trying to get my money off the you know, consultancy firm that was going bankrupt and missing out on a couple of years of pension pay. Um, so that was highly stressful. So I think my testosterone levels were lower than they should have been. So let's say I was mm -hmm. 800 at the time and they came back to 650, give or take. So I, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, for, yeah. For, 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 for what, 36, 36. They came back ago. to 600 while you were, were you still on the HCG at that point? No, it was off. That, that it was, was off nothing. everything. Oh. Yeah, it was off everything. Okay. Yeah. And I did that, that funny, yeah. funny icing the testicles protocol, which does work, mm -hmm. even though most people think I'm crazy, but if it works, it works, man. And it's, it's a freebie. You're putting, putting you ice packs. still losing size at the nine month, like it was nine months. Oh, that smaller. was all my size was all gone because I fasted for six weeks. 
Right. I had a fasting mimicking diet to resolve the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease because I was getting early impatient. in the nine months or late in the nine months. About midway. Yeah. Midway. And then, so I was, dude, I was like 82 kilos, which looked worse than wow. 74 kilos drug free being shredded. I, I don't I think I saw those. I, were those, were there pictures of that? I didn't yeah, see they're, that. They're on a hard disk, which is somewhere there, but I think they're, they're in, in some of the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease videos. Yeah. The NA did for wow. the part five or six, dude, I was emaciated. Because I, I saw pictures of you on Instagram, and it was like after this long period, and you yeah. were a lot smaller, but you still look great. But yeah. at one eighty, that which you know is like the eighty four kilograms. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize you lost that much size. I lost all my gains, and then I started training yeah. again, right? And then I was off for another two or three months, if I remember correctly. Just guy trying to get my semen parameters back, which they ended up at one hundred eighty million sperm per one milliliter, so and and high volume. So I was fertile AF. My doctor was like, yeah. oh, man, you can get like 20 people pregnant with this. <laughs> this <semen." laughs> Morphology was great. Motility was great. No defects, you know, no no weird semen parameters at all. So um, that was just a confirmation that I knew that all of that functionality would come back. And then I started, you know, I already started training again, but I stayed drug-free for as long as it took to get those uh, parameters back. And once I got those back, I froze that sample. I said, it's you know, laying ready somewhere just in case I need it. And then I went back on cycle and I, man, I, I mutated yeah, within man, five sure. weeks, within five weeks. So that's not even peak serum concentrations. I mutated. Yeah. That was like the, the best comeback ever. Really? You know, I, How I, much did yeah. you gain? Well, I got leaner at the same time, but I, I think I gained like 35 pounds. Wow. Of muscle. Yeah. <laughs> in, in like five weeks, six weeks. Now, so what do you walk around that, that, that That's what it feels like, you know? What yeah. do you walk around weight-wise now? Because you said 260 was your biggest? Yeah, about 230, 225. Okay. Yeah. So how do you handle that psychologically? Because that's one of the things, I, you know, I, I think would yeah. be the hardest part because we are all going to decline with age, obviously. Mm. But with natural bodybuilding, it really does seem like you can maintain peak levels of muscle mass until yeah, you're about far 50. Longer. Yeah, and then me. and then after that, you can still have a great physique at 60 like that. You know, it, it's a much more uh, long lasting trajectory. Versus I agree here. I agree. You know, you get this peak where you are Superman. And I imagine Fantastic. that you just feel. Yeah, you just feel amazing. And then yeah. to just know that I will never get close to that again. Mm. Do you just have to like, I don't know. How do you handle it? So, so when I was resolving the NAFLD, it was pretty hard mentally, right? Because I, yeah. I just came from the, my biggest and strongest and freakiest ever. And I, mm -hmm. the, the last diet that I did before that time, the pictures that I took, I mean, man, I looked like a fucking statue, you know? Yeah. Great. I, I did like the diet before that, the year before I looked, in my opinion, a little bit better because I, I felt that I, I got so strong that my waist kind of blew out a little bit. So the last pictures, mm -hmm. some of them I was not happy with, but other pictures I was extremely happy with. Uh, that's why the, the back double bicep pose, mm -hmm. right? That's still my yeah. favorite picture of all time of myself. And that's plastered everywhere because that's like, if, if I were to reduce my bodybuilding journey to one picture, that would be the picture. Yeah. That would be the picture. Where I, I can look at that picture like, man, I wasn't in great conditioning, but it was good enough to see all the muscle and how thick and, and dense and, you know, straighted I was. So anyway, so I came off with that disease and I realized, okay, I did this to myself. Nobody forced me to eat this much food and take this much drugs. I, I chose this by myself. And um, now I'm going to have to shrink down and fix that. Otherwise, I'm going to die. 
just like all these other now non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is not going to kill you. Right? I don't have any issues with my kidneys or heart or anything immediate. But I, I was, I, I'm mature enough to understand. Okay, I did this to myself, and now I'm going to have to, you know, f- uh, face the music, face the consequences, and resolve it, which I did. But when I resolved it, I realized that that lifestyle that I was living of the PEDs and the high food volume would bring the, the NAFLD back. So I, I took a step back. And then when I did the last two diets, I looked at myself and honestly, I was disappointed when I got shredded. I looked at myself like, this is not what I'm used to, you know? Because you diet so long, you train so hard, you're a little bit overtrained, you're tired, you know, you have striations, but like the density and the quality and the, you know, the fibers, they aren't there anymore compared to what you're used to. So I've had like two periods where I got really, really lean. And even before I went to the Mr. Olympia, I was not happy with how I looked. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, when I go to the gym and I have a great workout, I'm still happy. And, and I, I'm still, I think I'm still a great husband and I'm still a great businessman and I'm still easy to talk to. I mean, you know, Anybody that met me at the Mr. Olympia will say the same thing. Steve was a nice guy. So oh, yeah. that didn't go away. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it okay, sounds like you have away. to kind of, right. But like, it sounds like you kind of have to, which, you know, all of us have to check our ego at some point, regardless if yeah. it's muscle or whatever else, but you kind of have to focus on something more internal, right? I, I just imagine it would drive, no, so, I know it would drive me nuts if it, if it, you so never, I, I like, was, like, I never thought I had a great physique. Never. I, I know I have a decent physique, but I never saw myself as, wow, Steve, you have a great physique. You need to compete, put it on stage and share it with the world and inspire people, right? The results of my physique are because I like to train and I take PEDs and I take care of my nutrition. Um, if I per- were to put 200% in, I would have a better physique, but that would still not be worthy of winning a show. So I always knew that, okay, I put a lot of effort in, but if I were to really want to win something and accomplish something with my physique, I have to double or triple my efforts. And that was never worth it for me because, you know, I see all these bodybuilders that do that. They go all in and they're broke. They can't yeah. take care of their wife. They can't take care of their bills. And, and you know, I, as a man, I still have a little bit of a responsibility to take care of my family. So that comes first, you know, that comes first. So, I realized I, I never went all into this bodybuilding stuff, whether that's, you know, from an effort perspective. Um, and, and the physique that I was able to generate was, I think, respectable, but not great. And losing that, you know, respectable physique, again, everything else remains. And uh, yeah, I, I never really saw it that way that, you know, my physique is my defining feature and the only feature of my life that... You know, and a lot of people have that, unfortunately. They look in the mirror and say, oh, that's me. Yeah. No, but hopefully, hopefully there's so much more than than a chest and a six-pack. You know, and if that's you not stay. the case, you know, you really went all in. Yeah, then it's, then it's a hard pill to swallow. That's why all these pros end up dying because that's all they are and all they have. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. So it's funny. I just heard a quote yesterday and it was um it was actually because i I mentioned before i didn't really know who andrew tate was so i just watched Mm. one uh he was on like piers morgan who i also don't really know that much but i just was like all right let's just see what what this is about and they shitting on bodybuilders they was not but he he ended Uh, the uh he ended it with saying that there's a quote i guess because he's a good chess player and he said something along the lines of a uh well-played game of chess is a sign of a gentleman but an expertly played game of chess is a sign of a life 
wasted. Basically to say that like if you, <laughs> if you, get, if you get that good, it, it's like you spend so much time, right? Um, yeah. Now, I don't think that's as true with like, let's say lifting because there's so yeah. like, like chess, you could argue it's just a made up thing. So you're, you're so good at this thing that doesn't have- It's, it's hard to, you know. as, as an outsider, I would say that chess is very hard to translate into something else. Yeah, with lifting, there's uh, so many health benefits. There's so many like psychological and physical benefits. Like it, yeah. it, everybody sees the benefits. So I'm not saying mm -hmm. it's quite the same. I'm just saying that anything, any endeavor, if you're trying to be the best of the best, it mm -hmm. it, it has to become your whole life. It is you. It's not your whole and life. That's all somebody you. else. Yeah. yeah. And so the the fall from grace, so to speak, has to be mm -hmm. harder psychologically. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I'm just wondering, like you know, you and I are both pretty familiar with DC training. Obviously, mm -hmm. it's all about like progression, beating what your logbook, all this stuff. So when you say like to me, and this is something I'm still working on not doing as much, but like yeah. for me, a quote unquote good workout almost specifically meant I beat what I did before. Yeah, obviously right. that can't yeah. go forever. I'm no, sure can't. you can't be as strong now as 260 blast and everything. Oh, no, I, I trained like 75% of my maxes, you know, so yeah, that's, that's, that's brutal, but you know, you can, you can still have a great workout. Uh, that's what I'm saying. How do you define yeah. that? Just like it felt good. Like what's a good workout these days to you? I just don't take it so serious anymore. I, I completely let go of progressive overload because otherwise you go mental. I go right. to the gym and I have fun. I take a machine that I want to do, not a machine that's written down on paper. So if I do a chest press and then I do a, a fly and then I do a dip and the next week I do something completely different. Okay. I go close to failure or, or beyond failure, whatever I feel like in that moment. And I just, in that moment, I have a great time. That's all that matters right now. And and progressive overload, you can apply to many aspects of your life. Um, you know, finances, relationships, assets, um, or, or lack of assets. Like, like you can apply progressive overload to letting, um, how do you say this, uh, uh, personal positions go. Right? Yeah. You, things that you have in the closet that you just keep there for sentimental value, Progressive overload could be to let that go. So you become, you have less possessions, which means you have now more freedom because you're no longer your possessions. You're what you carry in here, your experiences. So I, I realized this a long time ago when I traveled through Asia, I can put everything that I need into a suitcase weighing 15 kilos, 32 pounds, and I can travel the world and interact with people and lose all of my gains and I'll still have a fantastic time. You know, but it's just different of what I'm used to. But I'll still have a yeah. fantastic time. Again, the muscle doesn't define me. And I hope that a lot of people, it, it doesn't define it for them. And, and otherwise, you need another hobby. You know, I enjoy spending two hours with my cats every day. And if that means that I miss the gym, too bad, man. It's, I, I've yeah. gone to the gym for 25 years. Well, it's so, a great mindset. I think it's, yeah. it's hard as, you know, you've obviously had this. I've had this. It, it does become a defining trait mm -hmm. right it's how you view yourself and that's something that i i still struggle with because um you know i i know that short of you know blasting something i'm probably not going to make noticeable progress i'm not saying i couldn't progress on this exercise or something mm -hmm. but i'm not going to just put on heaps of muscle anymore no. and i'll tell you the most fun workouts i have it's it's funny like i don't have a problem taking a week off but if i go on vacation mm -hmm. i really enjoy working out and one of my favorite things is like if we go mm -hmm. on a cruise or something I get up early, I get a great lift in, and then I go yeah. to the breakfast buffet. I have this beautiful food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm yeah. doing exercises that I don't normally do. It's not a right. track progressive overload. I'm still pushing really hard, 
but that's when I can really enjoy the workout. But and that's what I'm like, trying to get myself yeah, a little bit more. It's trying to, like trying to go to a theme park. Right? You go to a theme park, there's something new, some rides, some this and then you can get the same thing from a new gym. So mm-hmm. once sometimes I get bored, I go to a random gym here in Bangkok and just do a workout mm-hmm. there. Bullshit with people there that I'd never met, you know, or, or that maybe watch the YouTube channel or just people that are friendly and easy to talk to and try all their equipment or try some new weird dumbbells. And, uh, and I, you, have, you know, you get a refresher that way. You do the exact same thing, but you do it somewhere different. Now, you shouldn't do this when you're married. No, that, that doesn't apply to marriage, but it does apply <laughs> to training. I know a lot of guys that oh, maybe should try. try I just need a refresher. Yeah, I need a refresher. Break <laughs> it up a little bit. Yeah. So if with training, you can. And with diets, you basically do it every week, right? You have your structured, you know, bro food diet that is very healthy, very you know, cater to your goals. And then Sunday you go ham and you enjoy yourself. And I don't yep. think there's anything wrong with that, but I, you still eat within certain restrictions. So instead of eating two buckets of ice cream, you eat, I know, a gourmet hamburger with, uh, you know, the, the most exciting thing on there is butter and cheese. Yeah, yep. but the rest is stuff you already ate. It's, you know, meat and maybe uh, turkey, uh, turkey bacon and, and some onions and some vegetables and then bread. Well, you eat that during the week anyway. It's just packaged up differently but you still have a great time so i think i think you just people need to find balance you know but i think the only way you can have balance is if you don't compete and don't take it so serious and realize that you're more than just a meathead yeah um but that's hard sometimes you know i think it's something that you all have to I, i think if we didn't have to come to that point ourselves most of us never would like if they're you know we lived in a mm. fantasy world where you could just keep going like a lot of us would dive into that and it would become everything it just yeah. happens to be the case that we will all die and, and degrade and and they say yeah. you, you kind of it's like well this is happening so you can either adjust your psychology and and right. live a happier life or you can be depressed that you're not the same as when you were 28 or something you know exactly yeah, yeah. And, and and you can still enjoy life in other aspects and but you know i think i think when you're drug free and you you that physique is kind of steady, you know, the entire time. And then you end up with a physique that's probably more impressive compared to the guy that's in the seventies that kind of ruined his health and really had to slim down and, 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 yeah. you know, and then it has like bigger body parts and smaller body parts it's because some responded better than others to the steroids. Right. When you look at those pros that are now retired, I think their physiques look worse than guys of a similar age that never touched a steroid. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. My my waist is wide. It's not nice, you know, because of some of the gear. You think? Yeah, because of some of the gear. You start dumbbell rowing. You know, the eighty kilo dumbbells. So that's 100, 180 pounds, hundred ninety pounds, yeah. whatever. So growing those, and you're like, yeah, you're strong and it feels right. And then after six months of doing that, you look at your obliques. And you're like, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. Yeah. And you, like this wide, you know, wider than the screen. That's how wide they are. Yeah. Um, so your your physique changes, you know, and your 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 cranial changes a little bit. I mean, my skull is different than a drug-free athlete. Mm-hmm. So all these little cha- things add up. That's why I think people that, you know, in later stages of life under 70, even if they're running a little bit TRT, they probably look worse than the guy who never took anything. Now, I can talk about this, uh, but nobody talked about this before I got started. Uh, so th- these are all things you have to think about. But most people would say, ah, that's, I'll worry about that when I'm seven. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I think at, at one point you're 70, and I'm sure I'm going to regret so many things, dude, when I'm 70. Oh, I shouldn't have never done 
you know, this and this and this and this and this. And this. Specific to the, the gear use or just in general? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm sure. I'm sure. Really? Like right now I'm healthy from all the organ imaging that I've done. I'm healthy, healthier than most people my age. Yeah. Um, but by the time I'm 70, I'm sure some of the things that I've done to my body will catch up. On the other mm-hmm. hand, I'll have a great story. Um, yeah. Because, you know, at least I can talk about, you know, what I experienced. And then maybe, you know, some people are still willing to listen by that time if I'm still on YouTube. Yeah, and then yeah. say, oh, oh, you shouldn't do, you shouldn't do all those peptides and experiments, you know. And then people are like, yeah, but this is old fart now. <laughs> I think it's so interesting. I think it's going to be so interesting to age in, in this social media world because, you know, we just, we have this view of our grandparents a certain way and like they just did do this stuff. But it's like, yeah, but they also didn't have access to it. I have said before, yeah. this is the first generation for the most part where mm-hmm. our, like, like my grandkids will have hundreds of hours of videos of me. If, if they want to say who, who was grandpa when he was in his yeah. 20s and 30s, like that's available. And, and yeah. most people don't have a podcast. But most people have social media that, yeah. you know, as they get older, they'll probably clean up a little bit, right? I can't but, believe it was <laughs> natural. Everybody's on steroids now. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it's like there's so much stuff that I think it will be interesting. Yeah. And, like, will we see guys who are 65 who are still popular on, you know, if YouTube is still around or whatever? Like, mm-hmm. it'll just be interesting to see that. I also think from a social standpoint, it'll be a lot better because I see so many, like, I just had a grandparent pass and, and then I had, mm-hmm. you know, Sorry. two were kind of isolated. And, um, yeah, you just think like I'd like to think that when we're seventy or eighty, we won't be so isolated. We'll still have these good connections. Maybe it's going to be a virtual reality kind of thing, whatever it is. I I think so because I what I noticed through social media is that people in the fitness industry there nobody mentions age to each other. Like before, uh, when I was going to you know doing business, there's a lot of seniority. That's a, you're a young oh, yeah. consultant, 22 years old. You have the 40-year-old, the 60-year-olds, the guys that are close to retirement. And there's a huge gap between those people. Whereas I feel in the fitness industry, I could have just as a good of a conversation with a 24-year-old that loves bodybuilding as a guy uh, that's 60 years old. But maybe that's because mm-hmm. I'm you know in between, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I also see guys that are 60 interact with the 24-year-olds. Now, what mm-hmm. other industry can you find that? Yeah. Not that I'm aware, maybe people that like cars or something like that, you know, a young guy likes cars, he has financially secured to buy a Lamborghini and the old guy likes cars, he has a Maserati and then both they can have, you know, a nice talk about the engine, right, for example. Um, but I think that the social media and, and the age gap is, you know, minimize the age gap between the older generation and the newer generation, assuming that the newer generation isn't arrogant and the older generation isn't bitter. Right? Because there's a lot of that going on. And yeah, I, sure. I feel that people in the fitness industry, regardless of age, are much closer together because of social media. And they, mm-hmm. um, they're they easier to communicate. Like I've had, again, when I went to the Mr. Olympia, I talked to people from all age groups. And I had a wonderful conversation like we're all equal, right? Um, and I haven't found that anywhere else. But then again, I've yeah. been in this, in this field, you know, most of my life. So right, right. I don't know anything about golf or, uh, you know, yeah, hopefully our kids will look back at the YouTube or whatever social media platform and then have a good laugh. Yeah, and, right. Uh, probably. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say, let, let's wrap up on that topic then going back. I know we talked sure. about the Olympia early on. Um, mm-hmm. but as far as the actual, like how the event and everything went, cause I was, I was talking to a few friends of mine who, 
they, my closest friends are all people I actually met in the gym, but a lot of them don't mm-hmm. live, at least not as seriously anymore. Uh, right. But back in college and everything, I mean, we actually watched the Olympia. So when I came up yeah. into lifting, it was the Jay and Ronnie era. And so to me, yeah. those were like, Ronnie's still like, you know, the GOAT. And then it was kind of Kai and Phil. And those were the ones we actually watched live. And then right. honestly, it, it's it's weird to me now that I've watched the last people of those eras step away. Mm-hmm. Like Phil Heath is pretty much finally out. Yeah, I think so. Comeback, yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, so all of those guys are now like Roly is pretty much done. Like that's that era is kind of ending. Mm-hmm. And I don't really follow as much. Like, I mean, I know who Nick Walker is. I, I know who these mm-hmm. people are, but I'm not following them nearly like back then. So mm-hmm. I don't have as much of an opinion on the placings, but I know that a lot of people thought Rami was going to win based on like the first mm-hmm. night. I and thought then so too, the, yeah. So, um, what do you think about the placings overall? Uh, I thought they were fair. Finally, um, I mean, you know, going into the show, I figured you know Rami was going to win based on his previous mm-hmm. appearances, but he was, dude, he was sloppy. He was yeah. so sloppy when I saw him, you know. And of course, the prejudging was two hours later than intended, or four hours later than intended. So a lot of people must have spilled, or they missed their peak, or whatever. But so if everybody both meets, nights for you? yeah. I was sitting in the back row because I had no idea how the auditorium looked. So I sat all the way in the back. So I sat there watching the live stream on my phone uh, while watching the the show. So I had live stream and the show while I was physically there because it was so far away. And then Rami walked out and he did a side chest and I could see that scar tissue all the way in the back. Mm. And I'm like, man, that doesn't look good. You know, and I saw that he was spilled and I saw that he was soft. So I figured they did the fill and spill and he spilled so much that they used diuretics to pull him down. And then all the water retention is still in the skin and the, the muscle starts to deflate. So it's just brutally missing your peak. Yeah, and they slide all the way down the fifth. And honestly, I had Samson Dowda over Rami 100%. I talked with Milo Sarchev afterwards at finals and I walked straight up to him and said, I had Samson Dowda in fifth. Over Rami, if not higher, and he's like, "Yeah, well, <laughs> politics." <laughs> okay, so we wow. had a good talk. Talk about that, um, and um, you know, I, I thought Brandon Curry could have been lower. You just sloppy, also just over full, no striations, no detail, which he yeah. never really had. And then Nick, um, I'm happy that he moved up two spots. I felt that it was something awful about his physique, but again, he did look overall improved compared to uh, two years ago. I felt that he was, uh, I don't know, he was conditioned, but also soft. It's hard to explain. It's like his what do you skin think of the little... veins he gets? Like his crazy varicose veins on his legs. I think it's just something genetic. And then yeah. you know, with the pharmacology involved, it looks worse. And then, of course, when you pull your skin down to you know minim- millimeter level, it's going to shrink wrap around those veins. And and varicose veins they they impair blood flow, right? So the blood kind of sinks and bulges them because the, the valves in the the arteries don't work correctly. So he, he might have no arms in it or no veins in his arms. And then the varicose veins in his legs that will be bulging. And then you shrink wrap that with, you know, thin skin and diuretics. Yeah, it's going to look like that. Now, that's something we'll have to address, but I don't think it detracts from his physique. I mean, his physique is freaky. It will never be aesthetic. His waist is way too wide, but he can be like a Marcus rule. Yeah. And just and bring the nasty every show, which is certainly what he did. I mean, he walked out and I almost fell out of my chair. Yeah. So, and that's sitting in the back row, you know, and same with Samson Dowda. The guy walks out and he starts posing and it's all beautiful and he's twice the size of any other aesthetic guy. So it's, yeah, those are showstoppers. 
And then, of course, you know, uh, um, Derek Lunsford was amazing, mm-hmm. even though he still has a little bit of muscle maturity to work on. And then Derek's Hadi been was around for, for a long time. Yeah, but I mean, his muscularity is far exceeds anybody his age. I mean, the guy's mid twenties, twenty six years Derek? old. Derek, mi- wait, really? Yeah, I think he's freaking young, or twenty eight, or something like really? that. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else then. Okay. Derek and uh, Nick. Nick and Nick is also quite young, but I think about the same age. I, I don't know. I don't follow it that closely. Like Hadi yeah. Chuban, he's like close to 40s, maybe even older right. than I am. I, I remember him from the amateur circuit when he was my size, and he was the nicest guy to talk to backstage. He was so happy to be there and finally getting out of Iran, you know, and you know, being mm-hmm. with the Iranian national team. Yeah, well, a super nice guy. I met him in and, um in, Who's uh, the really Thailand. short African guy? Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Kevin English? No, he's a. Uh, he had that little like you know. There's just like a little thing on stage where they were bumping each other's elbows. Um, what is his name? He's like super the guy short that lived in, African guy. The guy that lived in England, or was it the two twelve? No, no, no. This was on. He was he and Hottie. Hottie was kind of like pushing his elbow. It was kind of reminiscent of like the Phil and Kai little spat. Oh, you mean William Bonac? Yes. Yes. Bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So William, yeah, yeah, yeah. William doesn't back down. I used to train at the same gym as him. He okay. is the one who retired uh, Louis Marco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, William doesn't take shit of anybody. <laughs> yeah, no he, way. He so Heidi is very competitive, way. right? And and Heidi's like, let me in. Let's do this pose. And William's like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's w- just William normal. Was uh, yeah. was he like ninth or so? He was pretty low, right? Yeah, he was. He was quite off. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what where where Chad Nichols was, but he wasn't in the rooms peaking his athletes. Yeah, interesting. Sorry to say, Chad, but you were not there for your athletes. Otherwise, they would have looked better. You know, I mean, he missed the mark horribly with both of these guys, and I, yeah. I do know that they looked way better. I don't think Rami would have won based on. You know, his, his lagging body parts, his, you know, triceps and back and, you know. Uh, well, you also, you see this with a lot of these guys. Just, I guess it's just the years of gear. They just, you look at their old pictures compared to new. They lose the definition. That gets just the an freshness, look. The pop, you know, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's tough, man. I mean, it does take a lot of um, pressure on your physique. And, of course, as the health of your liver and kidney diminishes, um, you can't peak anymore. That's that's the downfall of most of these older guys. That's why I always tell people do one or two shows per year because otherwise you just burn out faster. I want to do the uh, Arnold Classic and the and the New York Pro and the Mr. Olympia. You'll be done by thirty five. Just do but one show it, per year. Does it seem like it's? I mean, in, in some cases, clearly they missed their peak. But some of these mm. pictures, like again, like a two thousand eleven Phil Heath versus you know most recent, like something changes almost with the muscle belly like the quads yeah. you mm-hmm. see it a lot where they just don't have that that same like level of so striation with, with phil heath with phil heath i think he had intestinal strangulation so he was not able yeah. to absorb and digest the food properly and you still need your digestive tract to work for all the nutrients to get into your muscle and whether that's for loading for a contest or or the entire off season and entire contest prep if that builds up over months or years yeah the physique is just going to you know, it's like you're, 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 you know, you put like some sort of uh, blood flow restriction on an organ or the blood that goes into the organ has, has no real nutrients inside. So I think at one point, you know, nerve damage, um, um, intestinal issues, digestive issues, um, that just does you in. And then injuries on top of that, which usually manifest when you get older because your organs are not processing correctly. 
Um, I don't know, one point it does you in. But a lot of these guys, they have nothing else, so they keep going. Like Rami, I don't know much about the guy, but he said he was going to come back next year, but he's just he's been going down for the last mm-hmm. three years. You know, the, the last time he looked really, really good was when he was working with Chris Aceto, and that's, that's a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, Aceto seems to do pretty well by everybody. Yeah, he's, he's brutal with his diets. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. He just, he just suffers them down, you know? And then it's uh, diuretics from what I heard. Do you follow yeah. Classic as much? I, I, It seems like Chris Bumstead is pretty much the most popular guy overall. Dude, dude, but... dude, classic bodybuilding is the new bodybuilding that I love. Yeah. All these guys are nice. All these guys are approachable. They're not arrogant at all. Um, mm-hmm. I had a podcast with Wesley Vizzers, one of the nicest guys ever. Really? I met Urs Kelsinski twice, I think. At the Mr. Olympia, and first I was at the meet and greet, so I shook his hand. He's like, "Hey, Steve, where are you going?" Like, Did I hear that correctly? He knows my name, right? Mm. I, I, so I told him I went to the bathroom. I said, "Dude, just focus on the show. You know, I need you to place top three. You're like, like, uh, you're like, you know, I'm a big fan. So just get into the top three. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then yeah. a little bit later, I met him um, at Caesar's Hotel at the cheesecake factory right that's what all the foreigners go to so whistling mm-hmm. visitors was there was, we chatted a little bit and then i met urs on the way out we had a good chat and his coach uh steven kinzel a boss of outlaw on instagram and all these guys are so friendly man way more friendly way nicer than the open pros really that's why they're popular they look great they present themselves well they look healthy um, they're they're approachable. They're great with the fans. They stay there until the end, and that's mm-hmm. basically what '90s bodybuilding was all about, right? We had the magazines, yeah. and then this big event where everybody came together. And what I see now is that a lot of the open pros are a little bit socially awkward, or they're too halo tested up or too trend up to meet the fans. But that's stupid because it's a fan driven sport. Right. That's your that's your job to meet these people. You know, even if it's maybe a little bit awkward or you're tired, huh? without interactions with the fans, they'll all talk and they'll all say, oh, this guy was not fun to talk to. And now watch your discount code sales plummet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watch them plummet, you know. Right. So, and all these all these, um, these classic physique guys, they're great. They're nice. They're approachable. They're, they're super cool to talk to. And they're as much of a fan of the sport as, as the fans that are there. Mm. So... You know, I, I met a ton of these guys, and I, and I honestly think that classic physique is the future, unless they start rewarding guys like Derek Lunsford and Samson Dauda and Regan Grimes, and um, man, what's that guy from Brazil that trains with Flex Lewis? I even had a picture with him, uh, Rafael Santoa. No, not mm. Santoa. <laughs> Fuck, that's a that's a scumbag. Um, Rafael uh, Brandeo. Okay, yeah. And all these guys they have great physiques. It flows really nice. It looks fresh no side injections no no weird muscle tears no bubbly stomach you know once they start rewarding those physiques in the open class andrew jack also great physique um then i think open bodybuilding will change for the better um but that might still take some time you know yeah i think it makes sense that they'd have the two different categories and that like i I heard what arnold was Mm -hmm. saying that like you know why are we why do we need a whole new division for this like that's what bodybuilding should be but Mm -hmm. I, i think it it's fine that there's one that's like, hey, this is basically what's the most aesthetic. And then this is just like the biggest mass monster. I, I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, most people, the classic physique is going to be much more appealing, right? Like nobody really yeah. looks like Rami. 
No, and neither did I. So when when I started bodybuilding, all that we had was Ronnie and Jay, right? And and that was so it looked so unobtainable. I mean, I met mm-hmm. Jay after two thousand six. He came to Holland. He had a seminar there, and I looked at him. I'm like, I can never be this size. Mm-hmm. And then you already kind of give up mentally. Like, you know, why am I even bodybuilding? You know, that was before I touched any steroid. And I was like, you know, what is it going to take for me to look like this? You know, but I think if I had classic physique as an aspiration point and, um, you know, Chris Bumstead would have been the face, then I would be like, you know what? This is realistic, even though his physique is crazy. It's not realistic at all, but it looks more attainable than Jacob. Yeah. From a size standpoint. And trust me, when you meet him in real life, he's, he's huge too. I was going to say, I'm sure he's still massive. Yeah. I met um, man uh, another Brazilian guy that's in classic that got second. Uh, I forget all these names now. I met him at uh, Dragon Lair Gym, right? And he looked about my size, and I took a picture with him, posted it on Instagram, and you know got a good response out of that. But he was shredded, and I yeah. was getting fluffy from a week of eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that you know realistically wise size wise, I would say that that's more attainable, but also more enjoyable to walk yeah. around as because I've been 260 and that's not very enjoyable to be at, to be honest. Yeah. And I can't imagine what 300 pounds would feel like. All right. would be snoring awake, sitting upright. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm very happy with classic physique, man. I'm very happy with classic. I'm, I'm, I think it's a great addition to the sport. Um, I think that wellness and bikini should have been combined into a single class because mm. yeah. wellness is too chunky and bikini is too skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I'm biased because my wife would, when she competed, she was like right in the middle of the right, right. wellness. Yeah. Like those thick thunder legs, but still lean and, and a good booty and the, but bigger than bikini. So that's what yeah, I yeah, prefer, sure. but I'm, I'm biased towards that. Um, and I think they should combine figure and, uh, athletic physique because figure is, there's no posing. It's just a waste of time. I yeah. like how they look, but the whole, the whole setup of the class it's just such a giant waste of time. Just combine figure with, uh, you know, athletic physique. And uh, because they're almost the same size anyway. Yeah. And, and, and then let that run. So I can think, I think they can compress the female classes into, um, you know, bikini wellness. Right? That's one class. Then figure uh, athletic and then bodybuilding and then fitness. So that's four instead of seven classes. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. And, and then bodybuilding is uh, 212 uh, open and classic. All right, done. Men's physique, yeah. sorry, but you should just do classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the show would run smooth, you know? Then then the prejudging wouldn't start at 11 o'clock and everybody would miss their peak and all the bodybuilders would be upset and, uh, you know, start complaining right, and stuff. Right, right. You know, you've got to be <laughs> compare, compete at the amateur ranks. It's way worse. <laughs> right, right. All right, man. Yeah. Well, Maybe I'll see you at the next one. Orlando is definitely doable for me. Come, so come. It'll be an eye opener. You'll have a great yeah. time, and you'll meet all these people that actually watch your stuff. And then you're like, I can't believe that so many people actually watch what I'm doing. And they'll be fine. Right. Cool, yeah. cool, man. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, I know we're going to split this up. I guess we'll figure out who's who's going to be on, you know, part one, part two. But I guess we'll just end I'll with take you part first. two, so I don't have to regurgitate uh, lyric king stuff in my channel anymore. Ugh. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So then, uh, this is on your channel. I'll just say. All right, come over to part one on my channel, Brains and Gains, and uh, you know we can put in a little thing for you on my channel as well. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it uh, back and forth. All right, it was great oh, to yeah. talk to you. I'll, I'll try to catch up with you within uh, this year again. 
Right? Yep. And otherwise, we'll just make it yearly. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> right? All right. Hey, man, I'll talk to you soon. Have a good evening. Good day. All right, man. And, you too. And uh, I'll catch up. Take care. Awesome. Ciao.